Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. So today we're doing Wisdom Builds the House. I'm continuing on with that. And I've entitled this message, Invited In. Invited In. Invited In. There's a passage in the Word of God, and I was reading it uh, this week. And as I was reading, I thought, there's so much in this that is so helpful for wisdom on serving the Lord and, uh, and so much wisdom on how at times God is inviting us in into His kingdom, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life, John three sixteen. God loves you and He's inviting you into His kingdom. But also in this passage, you'll see that at times God was saying no to people for various reasons about the invitation to be invited in. At different times when He was praying for people, heading up the mountain to seek the Lord, he selected a few people at times and it's interesting. And I thought, Lord, this is interesting because sometimes we think you know, God's just got everybody going into uh, any door, any relationship, any ministry, when in actual fact, that's not what the Scripture teaches. So I thought today we'll just look at some wisdom. But know this, everybody, you're invited in. You're invited into the Kingdom of God. You're invited into God's house. God calls us to be saved. He calls us to Him. He invites us to come to Him. And then He invites us to come into His house. How good is that? And now this year for me, it's 42 years. That's a good while. And probably in Friday night services. I think I've been in Friday night church for 30 years. I think that's my calculation, which is, um, that's a long time. But I'm the richer for it and the richer for being planted in God's house. So let's read this passage. It's very, very powerful. Mark chapter 5, verse 35 to verse 42. Mark 5, verse 35 to 42. Reading from the New King James, it says this. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, but when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him. He entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated little girl. And Jesus said, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked for she was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement. Ooh, what a story. Don't you love it? Don't you love it? And in... The first part of it, they've got just received bad news. Everybody, sometimes you can receive bad news in your life. Maybe not as terrible as this, but people will have received that. But maybe you've received it sometime in your life, difficult news, bad news, hard news, tragic news. And Jesus says to all of us still today, don't be afraid, only believe. Don't be afraid, only believe. And so Jesus is saying to us, you know, 
that basically failing to ask God for miracles is like closing a door to His infinite power. We need to always ask God for miracles. And at Global Heart Church, we'll always encourage you, lift your faith up to the level of God's Word. Don't bring your faith down to the level of your circumstances. Don't bring your faith down to the level of the cynicism that you carry or that your friends carry around you. Instead, make a decision. I'm gonna lift my words, my heart, my spirit and my faith up to the level of God's Word. And I am gonna believe and keep believing until I see a breakthrough. And, when, and even if I don't see a breakthrough, I'll still pray, Lord, use this for Your glory. Use this for Your glory, God. May Let this be something in my life, even if it's still not healed, still not done, there's something You, God, can be glorified through in Jesus' Name. And by the way, we're not a church who believes that everything happens perfectly all the time. It doesn't. I don't know where people come off with everything's perfect and that I live on planet Earth. Anybody else? Anybody else on planet Earth? We have problems. We have challenges. But it's what we do with our, in those challenges, in those moments, that determines so much of the future. And so God is saying to all of us, you know, believe. Put your trust in me. Um, don't close the door to my infinite power because God is still well able to heal. By the way, I was in South Africa once and uh, this is many years ago now, probably 20 years ago. And I was at a very large conference, about 5,000 people and they were praying for people who were sick and there was a particular pastor who would uh, pray for people who, very infirm people and it was part of his, uh, mostly his ministry when he would travel around. Anyway, there was a lady who came in and, and I remember I was sitting on the side near the front and a lady came in and she was on a stretcher and I could hear her talking to the ushers because she was in earshot about how she had been on this uh, stretcher for basically in bed for two years, not able to move. And then she was actually instructing them, don't bump me. And I could hear her say, she was getting fearful. They were going to bring her out to be prayed for. And I could hear her saying, don't bump me. Don't do this. I'm, I'm in bed normally. And she was really, she was worried about what was happening. And I was thinking, please don't drop her. She was already stressing. She had a small child with her, about 11-year-old son. But I can hear her t talking and they're saying, well, how long have you been on the stretcher? And she's like, I've been in bed for two years. I can't get up. And then, so, so I'm hearing the, the side story, right? And then she's, they've got people they're praying for. Next minute, they end up bringing her to the stage and then the little boy, he just started crying. And, and then the pastor said to him, come with me. And they brought people over and they got around her and, uh, they, and another pastor came in and they prayed for her in front of a big crowd. And I had, so I had all the backstory, right? I was like, right in, how long she'd been in bed, blah, 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 blah. And then uh, when he prayed for her, her, the, she, was on, she was on the stretcher and then the next minute he said come on and then he took her hand and she just got up and then when she got up she was she went into shock she was like what she didn't she couldn't even believe she was standing and the whole place just went you know absolutely wild but for me it was really good because I'd actually heard her talking about what had gone on what had happened to her why she was on the couch how she'd been in bed da, da, da. so I had all the backstory and then just saw her get up and uh and they ended up walking her in the south of the stage and it was just such a powerful moment everybody in case you've never seen that can I tell you over my 42 years as a Christian I've seen many miracles and, uh, and there was no doubt that God had done that in that woman's life. Don't give up, keep praying, keep believing. And, uh, and, ask, and, don't, and here's the thing too, sometimes we need to stop asking God why. Don't ask God over and over again why. I used to ask God why, but then I stopped and I changed it when things were so difficult. And I started to say to God, what now? What now? Can't change that, don't know why.
But I started to say to God, what now? And God would give me, do this, <laughs> say this, <laughs> trust me. And, and sometimes God would say, trust me and be silent about it. Because I got into a role of maybe negativity or cynical. And God's like, hey, just don't say anything. Just keep asking me what now. You know, Jesus in this story, once again, he's uh, with Peter, James and John. And you need to just pick up here. Jesus had great boundaries, great boundaries. If you're going to be a person who your life is built and your home is built and, your, and you know, a church is built, you have to have boundaries. Your skin has boundaries. If I didn't have a boundary of skin right now, you'd all be looking at my kidneys and my liver, which would be probably fairly uncomfortable. So for you and me, but you have skin boundaries. But what we all need to realise is that there are boundaries in the universe, <laughs> boundaries, water and the land. There's boundaries with atmosphere. There's boundaries, there's boundaries everywhere. But there's also, we are called relationally to have boundaries with people. Boundaries with, uh, you know, uh, other people, uh, how we treat people with relationships, um, in marriage, our children, friends. We're meant to be having boundaries. You may never have heard that before. It was a discovery for me when I got saved a long time ago. But I had to learn that there are appropriate boundaries. And Jesus had great boundaries. And uh, in this passage, He closed the door to those who weren't meant to be in His space at that time. He closed the door to those who were meant to be in His space. He left everybody outside and said, Peter, James and John, you come in. Peter, James and John, you come in. Everybody, if you're going to be successful in life, you've got to work out who's in right now and who's not in. <laughs> who's in your life right now and who's not in your life. And uh, because I discovered two, 40 years as a pastor, uh, 35 years as a pastor at the end of the year, that there's a lot of people who started walking with people years ago that they should not have been with. And now decades later, they're paying a terrible price because they never stop to say, what is the foundation of this relationship and should this person be in my life? And so I'm not talking about not being warm. I'm not talking about not being kind. I'm not talking about those things. I'm just talking about entering into relationship and crossing boundaries with people that you're not meant to in Jesus' name. So basically, Jesus had great discernment. Everybody, we need to grow in discernment. You need to grow in discernment. And uh, some people definitely have more discernment naturally than others. I think my childhood, my dad would change his personality. Like one minute we would have this super movie star guy, super nice, and then he would be the devil. And I was like, who is this? We would be so stressed out every day as to what personality was coming in the house. And he would change by the day. And, uh, but most of our people in the suburb where I live, they'd all say to me, is your dad so-and-so? And I'd go, yeah. They'd go, oh, I love him. And I'd be like, yeah, right, everybody does. But at home, he was the devil. And we were going through so much hell with him. But the helpful thing about it was that, gee, he's been helpful to my ministry. So because I went through that, it gave me great discernment with people. And so I can see where a lot of people are at when they're coming in the door. Be worried. But that's not to put people down, that's to help them. So Jesus will say to people, hey, slow down, you shouldn't be in here just yet. So I have the ability to say slow. <laughs> we'll just slow down there because I can see people are not ready. They think, we always think, we always think we're all ready for everything, don't we? Ready for everything, ready for this, ready for relationship, ready for that, ready for the job, ready for this, ready for that. And then we end up in a hole because there was no wisdom with it. 
So we need to, can I, can I encourage you as a Christian to pray and say, Lord, give me discernment with people. Help me to hear your voice. Help me to hear, the, hear your Holy Spirit saying slow, saying no, saying grow. I had, you know, uh, if I want to know in relationships and working with people, I'll just say to my wife, what do you think? And she's like, slow down. And I've, you know, as a good husband, I've done what most of the husbands have done. I've ignored her quite a few times. <laughs> and then down the track, I'm like, you know, I should have listened to my wife. <laughs> listen to your wife, but listen to the Lord and ask the Lord, what should I be doing here? Do not jump into relationships. Do not jump into business partnerships. Do not jump in where angels fear to tread. Stop. Stop, because we don't know the hearts of people because somebody smiles and... I'm always more concerned about the very excited party people. Amazing. Everything's amazing. Oh, yes. I'm always like, hmm. Now, I know they say the quiet ones you got to watch. And that's sometimes true, you quiet ones. But many times I find the people who over the years, it's very funny in God's house, who like didn't say anything at the beginning, wasn't, didn't look like much was happening. There was a lot of depth going down into still waters. And then years and decades later, some of them are the great people you're here right now in our church. But at the start, it wasn't a lot of party coming out of you. And all the people who are like, oh my gosh, amazing. And I'm here forever. And I'm going to serve Jesus here and be a global heart. And it's like, where are you? Because it's about heart and character. And so we need to ask the Lord to give us discernment. Uh, and discernment means to separate, to divide and to distinguish. There you go. To separate, to divide and distinguish between, is this a relationship I should enter into? Is this people, should I be walking here right now? Uh, should I be careful here right now? And uh, I think we walk, we jump very quickly into relationship with random people. And, and in many levels, when we need to say, hang on a minute, and get some people around you who've got some discernment. Otherwise, it may lead to decades of challenges. Decades of challenges. My mum married my dad. <laughs> Her family, great business people, wealthy in Sydney, in a, you know, on the other side of the country. And then all of her brothers and her parents told my mother, do not marry my father because he's a drunk. Uh, but my dad used to sing nice songs to her and put her name in the title. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was a marriage made in hell. <laughs> and she paid a huge price for that. And then when she got into it, she even towards the end of her life said to me, I was too proud to say I've done the wrong thing. So, and guess what? We all paid the price. Her youngest children paid the great price for that, going from the nicest suburb to the worst suburb in Sydney. Because my mother was too proud to say... I've made a mistake. So decades later, and not only was she not well, she was actually trying to kill my father, which that wasn't a good thing either. <laughs> never good. <laughs> Understandable at the time, but never good, you know. I was watching Prisoner on TV at the time thinking, huh, oh, there's my mother. <sighs> She's going in there with those ones. B, she's on the way to you, B. So what was it, cell block H, whatever it was. So everybody, we need to say, Lord, give us wisdom. Do you remember, remember God told Abraham, leave your whole family. In the book of Genesis, leave your family, go to a country, I'll show you. Leave your family, go to a country, I'll show you. Leave your family and go to a country, I'll show you. 
And guess what he did? <laughs> he took his nephew Lot with him, didn't he? Um, yeah, I've left them all. Come on, Lot. <laughs> Takes Lot with him. And then the next minute, they're in Sodom and Gomorrah in absolute hell and <laughs> got to get angels to come and get them out. But all became terrible because he should never have had Lot on that journey with him. There are people that are not called to your calling. There are people not called to your life. There are people not called to your destiny. And you need to say, and wish them all the best. Wish you all the best, absolutely. Wish people all the best, but they're just not meant to be on your journey. And Abraham paid a big price for that. So we need to think about what gives us sudden confidence to make serious life choices when our track record suggests we need input. Why do we keep making serious life choices when there's been problems and we continue to do it? We need to stop, pull back, and I want to suggest to you that you start to get input from here on in and say to other people who are wiser in the things of God, wiser in the kingdom, been around a lot longer, walked a lot of life, made some mistakes, grown up in a house full of them, uh, and other people and say, what do you think? Insecurity leads quickly to pride. When you meet stubborn, proud people, it's not really that they were just these proud people because you often go, what are you proud about? <laughs> Your life's in a pit. But it's insecurity. So unaddressed insecurity is when we can't listen, we can't be told anything, we can't learn, we never stop talking. When we need to stop talking and say, what should I be doing here? What should I be doing here? And, uh, and we need each other. The brothers need the brothers, the sisters need the sisters. Isn't that right? And here's a good one, girls. Men know men. And girls know girls. Or women know women. When girls send, start dating somebody and they come and say, Pastor, what do you think about this person? And I've said to five guys, what do you think about that guy? Some of the leaders. And guys don't give you long explanations, right? Don't you love the boys? You don't get a three-hour conversation over how this guy is. And I'll just say to five of our leaders, how do you think, how's so-and-so going? They're going, great. <laughs> Be good husband? Oh, yeah, great. The next guy, how's he going? Oh, he's good. And next one, great, good, great. In five minutes, you've got an answer. Because <laughs> there's wisdom in the brotherhood. Not a lot of words, but there's a lot of wisdom. <laughs> so avail yourself of wisdom. And just, can I just encourage you, Eddie, who's, you know, if you're a new Christian or moved to our church, you need to teach yourself the boundaries of learning to see everybody in church as a brother or sister in the Lord. They are a brother or sister in the Lord. Don't look at everybody as if they're your potential hookup person. You might need to head back to the club. Because <laughs> this is the kingdom of God. This is the house of God. And we need to see uh, men and women in the house of God as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Listen, you have a destiny. By the way, which you are not at liberty to wreck. You are not at liberty to just go around sleeping with people in churches. You are not at liberty to do that. They are a brother or sister in the Lord who has a unique calling and destiny and are holy unto God. And if you need to get a bit more space between you and people or persons or the opposite sex, get some space and say, Lord, teach me to honour this person as a brother in the Lord and a sister in the Lord, not a potential partner for you currently. You need to wait and see and do things well. That's what I learned about the kingdom. I love the house of God because it's where you learn to do relationships well and do kingdom well and be respectful of people. Get some boundaries. 
That girl is not a sex object. She's a sister in Christ with a destiny in Christ. Don't wreck it. (laughs) And girls, likewise. Likewise. Go slow. Ask, Ask around, you know. We've got a lot of guys in recovery in our church. They may not be ready one week after going to recovery to marry you. (laughs) You might need to give them a few more weeks. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So you ask some questions, boys and girls, and say, hey, What's the story here? Get some wisdom and realise this. Anything that you're rushing to do is probably not God. Oh, I have to do it. Oh, it's now or never. Oh, this is the one. Oh, no, it's your flesh. Because if the Lord's involved, He leads us like a shepherd leads the sheep. Come on, come over here. Pasture's green. Let's walk. Let's go. And, uh, And if you're naughty... He gets the dog in. (laughs) Blue cattle dog, get them. (laughs) That's what happens here in the house of God. If you're naughty, we get Pastor Luke over. (laughs) Gives you a little nip around the heels. (laughs) Look at this, 2 Peter 1 verse 5 to 8 says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Make every effort. It says, saying, don't be slack. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control. Lord, help us with that one. You know you're maturing when you're getting some control over your life, control over your phone, control over your mouth, control over what you think everybody else in church should be doing, control over what you think the pastoral team should be doing, control over what the person who you are annoyed by it, needs to be doing. You need to say, Lord, help me to get some self-control and lead myself. <laughs> lead ourselves first. Conquer you. And uh, if you're struggling to get on with people, just remember you struggle to get on with yourself as well. <laughs> so, so let's give some people mercy because we need mercy. Do you want grace from people? Three people want grace. The rest of you want Pastor Luke. No, no. <laughs> Who wants grace from people? Who wants mercy from people? Well, then we better give it, right? So if we want it, we need to give it. So it goes on and says, um, self-control, that leads to perseverance. Come on. We need Christians who persevere in the house of God. We need leaders who persevere. Come on, that you persevere, you're consistent. You know, um, you can say nothing else about me. You can say I persevered. <laughs> 42 years in the house. In the house. Sue's the same. Persevered. God doesn't go off the house. God doesn't go off you. And if I lead myself, I'll become like Him, which is when everybody, if anybody ever upsets me, it doesn't matter. I got to forgive them, love them and persevere in the house of God and in the kingdom. Godliness and to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. God's saying do everything too with affection and love. Love one another. Bring love into what you're doing. For if you possess these qualities, look at this, increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive 
in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Bible is basically saying to us, there are people who are ineffective and unproductive in church. There are people who are ineffective and unproductive who go to churches around Australia every week, but they're ineffective and unproductive because they're not making every effort to add to uh, faith and goodness to these things and self-control. My heart of self-control when I got saved was getting out of bed (laughs) on a Sunday morning and going to church on time. I still laugh about it. It was like a nightmare. Getting out of bed and taking myself to church before the service started. Oh my gosh. I was like, who are these holy people who do such a thing? (laughs) And then then I had a youth leader from hell. Yeah. (laughs) Jared, you need to get some discipline and get out of bed and get to church in time. Oh, you need to whatever. (laughs) And it was a girl. She was right. I used to pray and say, Jesus, help me to get up at this ungodly time these Christians get up at. Get to your house. And you know what? About six months in, I was getting up and I was there early and started helping at church. Well, that was the prerequisite to my life changing in every way. Even the people who came into my life, the God connections came from, can I just say, getting up early and serving at church. God said, I'll add that person in, that person, that person. Then in years to come, that pastor, that pastor. I got some amazing friends around the world. I'm like, how did I ever become friends with them? I got out of bed early and served in church. And youth took the bin out, bin boy. So these things will stop you from being ineffective and unproductive. Also in your knowledge of the Lord your knowledge of the Lord. That's what we all need, everybody. We need knowledge of Jesus. The knowledge of Him. The knowledge, who is He? What's He like? What's His character? Um, I had the God of my making, I think, when I got saved. <laughs> this is, God, this is how you should be. I'll just be a little demigod <laughs> and make you the God I want you to be. Then I found God is surprising, right? He's amazing, but He's surprising because he's not always doing everything that I think he should do or what you think he should do. And then we know if he's Lord, because when he does that and pulls a, pulls a God move, you know if you're really serving him because you respond to what he's just doing and asking. Choose who's in your circle very carefully. Listen to this, I like this. It was on a meme the other day. Never rush to marry someone you met in church. Church is like a hospital not all the patients are responding to treatment. (laughs) And ain't that the truth? (laughs) You need to find out who's responding to treatment. (laughs) You know, with Peter, James and John, Jesus was wanting to strengthen their faith in Him and also through what they were being involved in, He was slowly revealing His identity to Him. of of him to them. So what he was inviting them in on, they were suddenly getting, hang on a minute, (laughs) this is just not some religious leader. This is the son of God. So Jesus brought them in. By the way, uh, to whom much is given, much is required. Sometimes if you see people who've got much, you're like, how did that happen for them? Get ready. If you head head, uh, to any... You know, you're heading out to bigger costs that God's calling you to. There's a greater cost 
And the Bible says that too much is given, much is required. Well, they four times Jesus had them up on the mountain. Uh, he had them on the mountain, the Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John. They were in the Garden of Gethsemane with him to pray. This is four times these three. They also went to pray for Peter's mother-in-law. She was healed. And no one knew at the time, but Jesus was inviting them in because of what they would carry. Peter, the majority of his ministry was spent reaching the Jewish communities. Peter would ultimately, I don't know if you know this, but all the disciples, when, when they were shouting threats of death against Jesus and then when they crucified Jesus, they were all in fear and terror. And, um, and Peter actually, who said, I'd never deny you, Jesus. Jesus said, not only will you deny me, you deny me three times. He was hiding. And then when Jesus rose from the dead and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter went on and was actually, church history tells us that he was actually crucified upside down when they killed him. And his ministry, as I said, was mainly to the Jews. And he said, I'm unworthy to be crucified the same way as our Lord. James and John, the two brash, impetuous brothers, Jesus called them the sons of thunder. Well, James would later be called James the Great. And he was the first apostle martyred by order of King Agrippa in AD 44. So he was to suffer much. John was also entrusted at the cross to look after Mary, the Saviour's mother. And John too, here he is. You're thinking, wow, why is he in with Jesus all the time? How come I'm not in with Jesus? John's in there again. Well, John was later, they tried to, I don't know if you know this, this is history. They tried to boil John in oil and kill him. And uh, he, was, he was banished to a rocky island in the Aegean Sea called Patmos, isolated, left there, but left there in the presence of God and he wrote the book of Revelation. In affliction, God many times is bringing us closer to Him. If you're in affliction right now, don't be put off that suddenly it's come upon you because sometimes the Lord's allowing something, one, to show us our weaknesses, but also to strengthen us, listen to this, by stewarding suffering. Sometimes we're stewarding suffering. You don't get this in every church, but I'm trying to give you the Bible. Sometimes God will let you steward suffering because your weaknesses are being exposed to you. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. (laughs) Go through a challenge, you're like, I'm not good, I'm not good. But also sometimes it's through stewarding suffering that Jesus will be glorified. It's that when you don't move, when you're in the suffering. So be careful too in the times of challenges with the decisions that you make and what you do. And uh, I think of the story of uh, Herod and Pilate who basically, they were hostile to one another. They were at enmity with each other until Jesus appeared. And suddenly they had an opportunity to form an alliance and form a relationship because they had a common enemy. Luke 23 verse 10 says, And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused Jesus. Then Herod with his men of war treated him with contempt. They mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been at enmity, hostile with each other. It's amazing, everybody, what brings people together, including Christians. These two are at enmity and hostile to each other. And now, because they could come together in the downfall of Jesus, they became friends. What's the basis of your friendships? What's the basis of your relationships? People who work against other people? 
people who are in the kingdom serving the Lord and somehow they've upset you. So now you can form a relationship to bring them down. We need to stop and think, hang on, what is bringing us together here? And it is amazing what brings people together including Christians. It's in fact, actually, it's amazing how you'll find in a church, you'll find two faith people in a church find each other. You find people who never commit to a church anywhere. They find all the other people who come to churches around Perth who never commit to church. They find each other and console each other in their nonstop movement. It's amazing who you find. If you look, if you're negative and you continue negative, you will start locating all the negative people you find. You find who you are, not what you want. And that's why I have to pay attention to who I am. What do I need? Lord, I need to give you that. (laughs) Need to give you that attitude. Need to give you that negativity. Need to give you that gossip. Lord, what do I need to give you? Lord, help me to give it to you. Otherwise, I will draw similar people (laughs) to my life. And I have done, especially in those early first 10 years. I was like, how am I with these people? These people are like people from my childhood. I was back with all my people. And because I wasn't changing, I was drawing the same people. Boy, and when I stopped becoming a victim, wow, that really put the cat amongst the pigeons. And I said, I'm not going to be a victim now. I'm going to become a victor because God told me He called me to victory. He told me, I've called you to victory. I said, okay, Lord, I agree with you. Let's go on to victory. But that upset all my victim friends because they wanted me staying in my dysfunction. Stay in your cynicism, stay in your negativity, stay in your fear, stay in your poverty because you're making us feel bad going forward. (laughs) So you attract who you are or who you're becoming. Who are you becoming? Start becoming the man or woman of God. Girls, start becoming a great woman of God and let the men catch up. And men, you don't need to chase what you can attract. Go for God. Become a stable, great man of God. And you'll attract who you need to attract. In Jesus' Name. You know, also, just want to add into the, just talking about the the guys again that Jesus invited in four times and kept everybody else out. They were going to have challenges. They were going to have big challenges. And Jesus is saying, you need to come with me now on this because I'm strengthening you. I'm showing you your weaknesses, but I'm strengthening you. Philippians 3.10 says this, And this so that I may know Him experientially in the Amplified, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with Him, understanding the remarkable wonders of His person more completely and in the same way experience the power of His resurrection, which overflows in His active in believers. Now look what Paul wrote here to the Philippians, And that I may share the fellowship of His sufferings by being continually conformed inwardly into His likeness, even to His death, dying as He did. So Paul's even saying, you know, in the middle of everything that's happening, it's amazing, it's powerful, the wonders of His passion. He said, but also too, that I share in the fellowship of His suffering. He's saying, when you share in the sufferings of Jesus, then you become more like Him. And you also begin to understand in actual fact what He's done for you. I always have a problem with that song. You know that song we sing, got written in this generation and everything's in the crushing. What's that song called? New One. Who knows that song? You know these Christians singing in the crushing. I'm like, 
if you heard me before, most Christians think in the crushing is when there's three cars in front of you at McDonald's drive-thru. In the crushing. No, unto the Lord, sometimes it can come to your life something that is super challenging. There was a young doctor named Helen Rosevear who in the 1960s, young girl, got saved. She became a doctor, went off to a war-torn area in the world helping out. And in that place, they killed 200 nuns and priests and a couple of hundred thousand of the local people. And this girl who'd gone to serve and help the people, she ended up being horribly abused and had her teeth beaten in. She's a young doctor. Everything that could happen, happened to her. And she said the most remarkable thing. I heard it being interviewed at the end of her life. And her name's Helen Rosevear. And she said that she felt like God said to her, where is it now? She said, she felt like God said to her, listen to this, can I trust you with this experience even if I never tell you why? Can I trust you with this experience even if I never tell you why? And I just thought, you know, even for me, I had nothing that Helen's gone through. But I just thought even some of the stuff from my childhood, I thought, I'm not going to get a why in this life to some things. But can I trust the Lord with not getting why that happened, how that happened? I say, Lord, help me to trust You in Jesus' Name. And she went on to say that if you go through something or are going through something really tough in your life, here's what she said. She said, then God plans to do something great through you. I love that. She went on, it was absolutely dreadful what she went through. And I'm not telling you the whole story. But she said, if you allow God and you say, Lord, I'm going to trust you, even though I've been through hell. She said, then He plans to do something great through you. And He went on to do that through her life. And she said, a soul that seeks to satisfy the Lord shall be satisfied. And she was at the end of her life saying she's a very satisfied lady, very blessed by the Lord. And she knows God. She said, I know the Lord's grace and love so well. And He's a kind God. And I was like, after all she had been through, there she was sacrificing. Yet in the middle of it, she had one of the greatest things happen to her, the greatest suffering that you could have happened, doing something in the Name of God and for good. Everybody, can I encourage you right now? Listen, give God your pain. Give God your challenges. Give it to Him. And as I said, don't ask why, but say, Lord, what now? And like Helen Rosevear, let's say, Lord, help me to trust You when I don't understand. Help me to trust You when I don't see the end of something. Lord, help me to trust You. And help me, Lord, to realise You've invited me into Your Kingdom. Help me to come in. You've invited me into Your house where You set Your members. Help me to be set. But Jesus, help me to trust You that You've got the rest of the plan. Do you know, I, th- I know God's got the rest of the plan. Though I had a crazy roller coaster childhood, some of you didn't have that and you're still not set. You're still not secure. I gave God that child and I said, Lord, let my life be the opposite. Let me be stable. Let my stability release my ability. Let me be set, God. And Lord, help me to trust You no matter what. As I did that, I can tell you what, boy, healing flowed, right relationships flowed. The blessing of God flowed. And here's the great thing. God's included me in His plans on planet Earth. Though I get attacked regularly, 
by the enemy. Do you know that? The devil can scatter me, he scatters the sheep. So he definitely doesn't like us planning churches and rescuing children in Rwanda and starting rehabilitation centres. I'll tell you that much. So he will relentlessly attack me, trying to shift me from church. But I refuse to be moved. I'll stand and I'll trust God no matter what. No matter what. Can I encourage you? Do likewise. And you watch what God does and what He'll do in your children, and your grandchildren, your friends. You watch what God does and in your life and your knowledge of Him as you stay standing in Jesus' Name. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.